I, uh, I practiced that song, and it was one of the first songs I ever sang in church as a special. And I practiced that song for four months before I got the guts to actually get up to sing it. And the, the, the morning, I was going to sing in the afternoon, and in the morning, a lady got up and she sang that song. I still remember that to this day. I still sang it. I put so much work into it, I was not going to do it. Oh, goodness. Hmm. Well, today is not Memorial Day, but it is Memorial Day weekend. Um, and, and I think we'd be remiss uh, to not acknowledge that fact. Um, I am so thankful for the country that we live in. We are not a perfect country and, and have never been a perfect country. But I am thankful for the freedoms that we have. Uh, we can meet freely here today. Uh, we can worship God freely. And uh, that is a blessing that's been given to us by God. It has not always been that way. It's not always been that way even here in our own country. Uh, but, uh, but there's something that is important for us to understand, and it's uh, the basis of Memorial Day is that freedom isn't free. Uh, on Memorial Day, it started back in the, in the late 1860s after World War, or not World War, not the World Wars, the Civil War was over. And uh, uh, as, as women began to go and, and decorate the, 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 the graves of fallen soldiers, remembering uh, the lives uh, that had been lost, the sacrifice that had been given. And uh, I can remember years ago, it was, I was 18 years old. It was on my 18th birthday. I was in Washington, D.C. Uh, with my pastor and a couple other uh, young men. And uh, we went to see the, the Vietnam Memorial. We saw the names on the Vietnam Memorial. We saw, uh, we saw the Korean uh, Memorial. And I, I, I'd never seen that. But on that memorial is, is, uh, is just these words, freedom is not free. Uh, it started all the way back in the Revolutionary War for us here in the United States. Uh, men stood up against tyranny. They stood up and they, they fought for, their, for, for freedom from Great Britain. Uh, many men died in those days. In fact, if you look at the Declaration of Independence, those men that signed, those, signed the Declaration of Independence, uh, they, they, they put their names on there at risk of their lives because uh, they, were, they were hunted. They were, uh, those that were caught were arrested and tried and killed. And, and so uh, our freedoms, as far as our country is concerned, goes all the way back to the Revolutionary War. And uh, during the Civil War, many people died in those, those uh, battles. In fact, more people died in the Civil War uh, than had died at all other uh, battles uh, and wars uh, coming up to that point, and which, is, which is why in 1970 it uh, became a national holiday. Uh, that we would that we would pick uh, the last Monday of the month, I believe, this month, uh, this month, or this year, it's May 30th, uh, to be Memorial Day, the day that we remember. And that's what a memorial is. It's 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 there to help us to remember uh, what's what's been done, to remember something. And as we as we stop uh, today and tomorrow, uh, I hope we do uh, thank God for the sacrifice of those men and women that have died for our freedoms. One of the problems I, I, I see in our culture today is that it's not, not something that's celebrated so much. Now, I'm not going to say that we're a perfect country. Don't get me wrong. We are not a perfect country. But we have freedoms that many other countries in this world don't have. There are Christians today that are meeting in, in, in secret because they could, they could be killed if they were, they were caught. Or, or jailed, and uh, there, there are others that are, are the lowest class of the, uh, as, because they're Christians, they become the lowest class uh, uh, of people in their country. It's a caste-type culture, and, and I'm thankful that we don't have to suffer through that just because we believe in God. Now, that may come a day that that happens again. I don't know, but for now, we can remember the freedoms that we have. Many people today, and, uh, and, and I'm not trying to knock our younger generation, I'm thankful for our younger generation, but many of them have, have grown up and not heard about all of the, the things. I grew up in a, in a school that taught me about uh, the, 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 the Christian heritage of our country. I can remember sitting in, in the back, back room with, talking with one, of our, with one of our teens and mentioned the Mayflower Compact and why, why the, the people first came on the Mayflower. And they said, I'd never heard of that before. I said, here, you can read it. And it was all about how, how, how they came with the idea to start, uh, to, to, to come to a country, a place where they could worship God and tell others about Christ. That's not something that our, our schools teach anymore. 
Uh, they'll, they'll, they tell us that God, that God had nothing to do with the beginning of our country, but honestly, go to Washington and look at the monuments. It's all over the monuments. The name of God, the fact that God is in control. Read the founding documents, and he's all through that. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that was a founding father was a Christian. It's not what I'm saying. But I am saying the principles of God and the hand of God was all over this place when it started. And I, I praise God for the, for the freedom that we have. And men gave their lives for that freedom. So we, we do want to remember that today. Now, it's not a religious holiday. It's not. So I'm not going to make, make our service all about what happened, uh, the men that died. Again, I'm, I'm grateful for it. I, I believe they should be honored and take the time to honor them. But the principle of a memorial is all throughout Scripture as well. We are, we are taught that we are to, to memorialize some things. We find it all the way back in the book of Joshua. Uh, uh, as as they, they come into the, they're coming into the promised land, uh, they cross, as they're crossing the, the, the Jordan River, uh, they, they come to that river, the, uh, the, the, the priests go forward, they step into the river, and the water stops, which is absolutely amazing. God, God performed a miracle in that place, and they walked across on dry ground, just like their parents had when they left Egypt. But in Joshua chapter 4, God told Joshua to, 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 tell, to get 12 men to go in and pick up 12 stones. that They were to build a memorial. So that when their children asked, what mean these stones? What are these stones here for? Why is this pile of stones here? Then they can answer. And they can tell all of what God has done. What a blessing to, 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 to be able to teach our children the, the works of God. The sad thing was, as you read through the book of Joshua, then you get to the book of Judges. When the old generation had died out, and the book of Judges says there rose up a generation that knew not God. Now, we need to, we, we need to as, we, as we look at, the, at, 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 John, at, at Joshua chapter 4 uh, this morning, go ahead and turn there. We need to be prepared to, to, uh, to make a memorial. As adults, as parents, as fathers, as mothers, as husbands and wives. Because the danger today is, and what we see statistically happening in churches, is that our young people, our children, my children, they are statistically going to walk away from the church and never come back. Now, that doesn't have to be the case, and I praise the Lord for that. And not every child, and I'm not saying that they, if they, they don't come back to our church, I'm saying they walk away from the faith because they're not prepared. They, 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 they hear the stories, uh, but they don't ever come to a real relationship with Christ themselves. And if that takes place, guess what? My faith isn't enough for them, and we'll lose them. Joshua chapter 4, we'll start reading in verse, I'll start reading in verse 1, we're going to read down to verse 6, and, we'll, and I'll stop there, we're going to pray, ask the Lord to help us. So in verse 1, and it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place, where ye shall lodge this night." Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in times to come, saying, What mean ye? By these stones, verse 7, Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help me this morning. God, I only want to preach your message. I ask that you would help me to to be empty of 
myself, Lord, and that you'd fill me with your spirit. Lord, that you would have control of my mouth, my tongue, my thoughts. Lord, arrest any thought uh, that is not of you. Lord, I need you. Help me now. Help this people. Help us, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A memorial is, a, is an interesting thing. As we look at this, this uh, account, we, we have to remember uh, a few things about the people of Israel. Uh, Israel is a called people. It's just not a nation. It's the chosen people of God. Uh, they, uh, they, uh, God, uh, God made a covenant promise with Abraham that, that uh, through his seed, uh, uh, that through his children, his, his, the generations that would follow him, there would rise up a generation, there would rise up a nation that, that, uh, uh, that uh, would be his people. He made a covenant that, that, uh, that uh, he would give them a, a home, uh, the promised land, we call it, uh, uh, the, the land of Canaan. It was, it was going to be a, a wonderful place, and God had his hand on Abraham until the end of Abraham's life. And when Abraham died, guess what? God was with his son Isaac, made the same promise to Isaac, and Isaac went about his life and, and, and did as, 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 as God led him to. to. And, and then when Isaac died, his, uh, God's hand was upon his son Jacob, and, and Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and they, his children became the nation of Israel. They were a chosen people. The Bible says we, as the children of God, are a chosen people. God, if you're here today and, you're, and you've placed your faith and trust in, in, in Christ Jesus, I want you to understand, God chose you to be his child. What a, what a, a blessing to know that God loves you. You're, you're not just a somebody. You're not just a, a mass in the crowd. Of, listen, there are a lot of people here today. Praise the Lord for that. You're not just an invisible person in this crowd. God knows you. God, God in fact, knew you while you were in your mother's womb. The Bible says before your, your substance was formed, your, your members were written in the book. That God had, knew exactly how tall you were going to be, knew what color hair you were going to be, or Brother Rich, he knew that you weren't going to have any hair. He, he, he knew what color eyes you were going to have. He knew uh, how many teeth you were going to have. He, he knew everything about you. He knew if you went out in the sun and you were going to get burnt in the sun, he knew that too. There was nothing about you that God did not know. In fact, David goes on to say in Psalms 139 that, 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 that the, the, the number of his, the thoughts that God has for not everybody, but for you as an individual, are uncountable. They are innumerable. And David said, it is too marvelous for me to think about that. God knew you. Now, when I say God chose you, I want you to understand something. The Bible does not teach that God picked you and didn't pick somebody else. There is a, a false doctrine out there today uh, that they would say that God is sovereign and God picks and chooses uh, to, to those children that he would have to be his and the rest are, have been born for damnation. But the Bible tells us, and Paul tells us several places, that he would have all men to be saved. He would have all men come to the knowledge of the truth. It says in Romans, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. It doesn't say whosoever unless God didn't pick you. It says everybody. So you don't have to come from a certain background. You don't have to come from, you don't have to have a a certain color of of skin or a certain accent. You can be saved and come from the south. And you can be saved and live in the north. You can be saved and speak a completely different language. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what God has done for you. But what the Bible does tell us is God in his foreknowledge predestinated us, his children, to walk. That word predestined means, and that word foreknowledge means this, that God knew beforehand that you would get saved. Why? Because he's God and knows everything. And he knew those who would choose to accept him, and and he predestined those to accept him to be like the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not there yet, but he's working on me. 
Philippians 1, 6, that it says that uh, I am confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. I thank God for that truth every single day, because every single day I, I fail, I fall, I sin, I think, God, I don't know why you love me, but it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the nature of God. God is good, and God loves mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should perish, uh, uh, should, whosoever should believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. <sighs> Talking too fast. Words are coming out of my mouth all jumbled up. I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad God knew me. I'm glad God loved me. I'm glad that even though I was dead in my trespasses and sins and I was not worthy of God's love, he loved me anyways. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You didn't, I didn't have to turn around my life. I didn't have to start doing things the right way to become a child of God. God loved me and the sin and the wickedness and the rebelliousness of my heart. And the Bible says in, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, even though I was a sinner, even though I was dead in my trespasses and sins, even though he saw me uh, from his holy place, from his, from his, with his holy nature, he saw my, my wickedness, my filthiness, my disgusted, uh, vile nature, he saw me and loved me and sent his son to die on the cross for my sin. He, Christ, paid for my sin. I'm chosen. I'm saved. Because of Christ. We are God's chosen people. Now we, we see here also this covenant that, that, that God had with, with the people of Israel. There was a promise to this people. Uh, before they ever entered into Egypt, uh, that God made a covenant with Abraham in the book of, in, in the book of Genesis. Uh, uh, there was a promise. Uh, Abraham, uh, Abraham uh, had brought together the sacrifice, and then God put him into a deep slumber. And while he, was, while he was sleeping, the Bible says that God's presence moved about that place, and he gave him the promise uh, that, 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 that that nation uh, those, that would be born out of him would be his chosen people. And the, the blessing of all that was that it had nothing to do with what Abraham was going to do, it was a promise of God. God had to keep that promise. See, when you and I, we sign contracts with somebody, if one of us breaks the contract, then the contract's void and null, right? But in heaven, with this contract that God made with Abraham, Abraham didn't have anything to do with it. God made the covenant with Abraham. So no matter what Abraham did, no matter the fact that Abraham lied multiple times, even though there were times when he dis disobeyed God in his life, uh, uh, that covenant was with Abraham, and God kept it. There's another covenant God keeps with you and I, the covenant of salvation. Listen, uh, uh, aren't you glad that we, aren't, that we don't have to do anything to earn salvation? But even, even greater than that, there's nothing that I can do to lose my salvation. I am saved not by my works, but I am saved by the grace of God. And since I can't save myself, I can't break that covenant uh, and lose it either. We are, the Bible says that we are, we are held in the, in the palm of Jesus' hand, and, the, and, and the, he is in the Father's hand, and no man can pluck us out of the Father's hand. There's nothing that can be done to remove uh, that salvation, remove or break that covenant that God has made with us. The old covenant has passed away, but God, through Christ, according to Hebrews chapter 10, uh, has, has given us a new covenant through his body, through his sacrifice. If we're going to memorialize anything today, let it be this. Remember what Christ did for us. Because in John chapter 8, Jesus said, If the Son shall make you free, he shall be free indeed. The sun shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. But just as we learned about those, those men who gave their lives uh, for the freedom that we have in this country, understand that the freedom that we have in Christ wasn't free. Jesus died for that freedom. He gave his life. Listen, he sacrificed uh, himself from the very beginning. The Bible says before the foundation of the earth were, were laid, the, the, the lamb of God was slain. Uh, he, the plan was all along. He came for the purpose to die on that cross. 
He didn't come to, to heal. He didn't come to teach. He didn't come to, to, to perform miracles or walk on water and defeat five. He did those things. And amen, he ministered to people and he, he healed people. And what a blessing those things were. But the purpose that he came was to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, as he came and entered into Jerusalem on, uh, in the triumphal entry, uh, as he, he prayed and said, that for this purpose I came. And that purpose was to die. Tonight or this afternoon, uh, our second service, we're going to uh, end it with uh, communion. And Luke chapter and Luke chapter twenty-two, uh, Luke chapter twenty-two, Jesus sitting at the the Last Supper with the disciples, uh, broke bread and and took the cup and said, "Do this in remembrance of me." Now he hadn't even died yet, but he had told them he was going to die. He told them he was going to die and that he, he would rise again. And their their minds and their eyes were closed to this truth until after the fact. But he was teaching them something here. When I'm gone, when I've died, and when I've risen again and gone up into heaven, until I come back, there's a period of time where to do that in remembrance of him, we're to memorialize the sacrifice. We're to remember what Jesus did for us. We're to remember his death, the, 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 the brokenness of his body, the, the bruises, the, 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 the beatings, the, 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 the flesh torn from his bones as they, they used the cat of nine tails and, and beat him, the, the fact that they pressed a crown of thorns upon his head and the blood running down his face and into his eyes. Uh, listen, we need to remember that broken body uh, as he hung there and the difficulty he had in just breathing. Listen, a death on the cross is not a pleasant or quick death. It's one of the most difficult, one of the most painful and excruciating deaths that can take place. It's why the Romans did it. They didn't do it to Romans. They did it to those that they didn't, they didn't deem worthy of a, of, of, a, of a death of a man. So they would hang them on that cross and they wouldn't die from the, from the lack of blood or the bloodshed. They would die because out of, uh, out of the fact they couldn't breathe. As they hung there, uh, they'd have to pull themselves up to breathe. Well, you get tired after doing that for so long. You get to where you can't do it anymore. And have you ever had a weight on your chest? Pressing down, and you just can't get a deep breath. My kids are my kids are small, but they're getting bigger. And and Zeke isn't so bad, but I get Ezra or Elijah. We get if we if we do any wrestling around, and one of them lays on my chest, it's kind of hard to take a deep breath. Now you say, "Well, you're breathing. You're talking." That's what I used to tell. That's what I used to tell people in the ambulance. I just can't breathe. It always drove me nuts. You have people say, I can't breathe. I don't know what's going on. You're talking. You're fine. But that only lasts for so long. Because when you get short of breath, even though air is going in and out, it's not enough air. Oxygen levels begin to drop, and that's exactly what happened to Christ. As he tried to pull himself up and, and, and he would take those breaths it, didn't, it wasn't a quick death it was a long 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 painful excruciating death and he died on that cross for you and me we're to remember that Jesus said do this in remembrance of me he also, he also talked about uh, as we look at, as we look at the, the blood he said this is my blood which is the, the New Testament or the covenant uh, for us, it was that blood which, that was shed, that was, that was sprinkled on the, the mercy seat in heaven. It was that blood that, 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 that ransomed our souls, that, that, that was the atonement for our sin. It wasn't the, it wasn't the, 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 the broken body. It, the blood is what, what, what paid for our sins. He says, do this in remembrance of me. We're to remember, we're also to reflect on it. See, it isn't enough just to think about what, what, what he did. That's good, and we should. But we need to reflect upon what that means for you and I. As we, as we think about the, uh, the, the sacrifice that he made, yes, he died on the cross. Yes, it was brutal. Yes, it was excruciating. But, man, through his death, we have life. If he hadn't died, we'd have no reason for being here. We'd still be under the judgment of our own sin, and we'd still answer to God for it. Now, there may be some here today that will stand an answer for their own sin, but you don't have to. You don't have to. 
Because Christ died on the cross for your sins, if you by faith trust in what he did, say, well, I'm not that bad of a sinner. I'm not that bad. I'm a, I'm a good person. I, even, I go to church. I do this. I do that. I do this. I, I, I don't do anything terrible. It has nothing to do with what you do. It has everything to do with who we are. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, tells us that, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so the death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We are born sinners. Because uh, we're born with that sin nature, because of Adam's choice, because of Adam's sinfulness, uh, we have been born successively uh, with that sin nature. Uh, Listen, if you've got kids, you know you don't have to teach your children to lie, right? You don't have to teach your children to be deceitful. You don't have to teach your children to, to not listen to you. You don't have to teach your children to steal or to hit or to do any of those things that we try to teach them not to do. They do those things naturally. Do you know why? Because it's in their nature. I'm not saying they're terrible children. They're just children. Just like you and I were. When we lied to our parents and we stole from our parents and we, we beat up on our brothers and sisters or got beat up on, in my case. Uh, my, bro- my brother was six years older than me. But uh, we, we did all those things. Why? Because that was our nature. And because of our nature, there was a penalty to be paid. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Say, I'm not that bad. Let's, let's just do a, an experiment here today. Will you be honest with me? All right. If you've ever lied, raise your hand. What does that make you? A liar. Okay. Have you ever stolen? Raise your hand. It could be even the smallest thing. What, is it, what does that make you? No. It makes you a lying thief. We can go through, uh, have you ever taken God's name in vain? I'm sad to say, but I have in the past. It's called blasphemy. You wouldn't do that with your mother's name, would you? Well, no, I love my mother. In the Old Testament, that was, they could stone you to death for that. But today, that word just flows off our tongues. We, we, we say the, the name of God and use it as a curse word. Or God forgive us. See, we can go through and say, well, that, that's only three of the Ten Commandments, and we've, so far we've lost, failed on all of them. We, you don't have to be a murderer, but the Bible says if you hate somebody in your heart, then you've murdered them in your heart. Say, well, I've never committed adultery. The Bible says if you look at somebody with lust, you commit adultery in your heart. So we've gotten five out of the, out of the ten, and if not all of them, all of us, we've, we've all broken at least some of them, if not all of those five. What does that tell us? That we're sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, well, that, yeah, but I'm no worse than anybody else. You're right. But all of mankind will stand in judgment of God one day. And God is holy. And sin will be answered for. For the wages of sin is death. Because of our sinfulness, because of our sin nature, we deserve to die. So I'll, we're all going to die. I'm not talking about physical death. We will all die physically. It's talking about an eternal death. See, this body will die one day. I'm getting older. I need glasses now. I would say I'm getting fatter, but I'm losing weight, so that's a good thing. But I'm still getting older. My hair is getting grayer, or as my wife said, it's getting thinner. This body's going to die, but this body is not me. If you chop off my arm, guess what? I'm still me. You chop off my other arm, I'm still me. Take off both legs, I'm still me. You take off my head, this body isn't me, but I'm up there. Why? Because I'm saved. And me isn't this. The death that, that the Bible is talking about is eternal death. Uh, it's mentioned in, in several places. In Luke chapter 16, it talks about the rich man Lazarus. Lazarus and Lazarus uh, goes into, the, uh, into, into Abraham's bosom. And, and Lazarus looks, lifts up his eyes, and the Bible says, in 
hell. And that's even before the judgment. There'll come a time when, when he stands before God in judgment, and God's going to separate those who believe and have trusted in Jesus Christ from those who have not. And those who have not, the Bible says, will be cast into with, with Satan, and all that are in hell will be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. People play it off like it's going to be fun. I'm just going to go out and party with my friends. There will be no party. I don't know about you. Have you ever been burnt? I've had, uh, I, I've had some small burns. Noah came. I saw Noah yesterday. He had a little burn on his finger. And uh, he, he, he was carrying around with, with him. He, he touched something hot and burned his finger. But he was carrying with him with this bag of ice. And if you remove that ice from his hand because they had to replace the ice a couple times, uh, he began to cry and wouldn't, wouldn't stop crying until you gave him back the ice, or gave him new ice to put it on his finger. you know why? Because it hurt, and that was just his fingertip. We'll be judged. Say, so, well, you know, God's a God of love, and God will just give me grace. He is a God of love, and he does give us grace. But the grace that he's given to us is through his son, Jesus Christ. If you have not the Son, you have not life. His grace is the opportunity to trust in Jesus. You have a, 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 a little space of grace. You don't know how long you have. You may have 90 plus years, or you might have two more days. You don't know. We don't know if, we're, if we walk out of here today. We don't know if we'll even walk out of here today. I remember going to a church service when I was, when I was about, uh, uh, I don't see any of the little kids, I was, I was probably six or seven years old, and, and uh, the, the, it was a, a big service, uh, it was the, the 25th anniversary, I think it was, and a uh, uh, guy got up to sing, and he, he opened up his mouth, he, he sang all the time, he had this deep, deep bass voice, loved listening to him, and he opened up his mouth, sang the first phrase of the song, and then went like that, and the pastor jumped up and grabbed him and said, are you okay? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Went, <gasps> and down he went. You had a triple A uh, that burst, uh, 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 abdominal aortic aneurysm that let go uh, while he was singing in the pulpit. I'd never seen anything like that before. See, you never know what's going to happen. Say, oh, I'm healthy. That doesn't mean anything. Not anymore. I've seen a lot of young people die in car accidents. I've seen a lot of young people die at their own hand. We never know. So what you have now is a space of grace. What do I mean by that? It's a, it's a phrase from the Old Testament that where God is withholding his judgment and giving us an opportunity to make a choice. If you're here today without Christ, you have been given an opportunity to make a choice. To choose Christ or to reject him. If you choose Christ... The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to, you don't have to do uh, all kinds of things before he will accept you. He will accept you as you are. But what, he does require this. He requires faith. Whosoever believeth on him. Oh, how do I get faith? Romans chapter 10, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Don't take it because I said it take it because God said it. We have to trust in what he said. The Bible also says this, we're to repent. Now, that means there's a change of mind and a change of direction. What I, what I mean by that is there are too many people in this world that said a prayer sometime in their life, whether they were a child or an adult, it doesn't really matter. They said a prayer they put their, their, their ticket to heaven in their pocket. They, 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 they strapped on their parachute, and then they continue to live like they always did. Why is that a problem? Because when God saves us, he says that, he, that we become a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We're not perfect. None of us are. But there is a change that takes place. Jesus said, ye must be born again. If there is no new birth, that, that prayer will not save you. 
When I was six years old, I prayed a prayer because a pastor said, if you don't want to go to hell, raise your hand. Well, what six-year-old wants to go to hell? I raised my hand. He said, if you want to go to heaven, raise your hand. And Well, duh. I raised my hand. He said, if you raise your hand, then you come forward. And I went forward and somebody said, well, why don't you just kneel down here and pray with me? And he led me through the sinner's prayer. And when I got done, they said, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. And I got baptized two weeks later. Man, it was, it was great, except for I wasn't saved. You know when I got saved? When I was 15 years old, and I was listening, sitting under the, the preaching of the Word of God, and listen, I don't even know what he was preaching about. Uh, I was at camp, uh, at, a, at a summer camp in Michigan, and, and this man's up there, he's preaching something out of the Word of God, and the Spirit of God says, you're dying and on your way to hell. And you will answer for the sins that you, that you have committed. You will answer for your, for your sinful nature. And I thought, I don't want to do that. I don't want to die and go to hell. For, for, for the first time in my life, it wasn't just the, the gospel story that I heard, but it was the gospel that I needed. I understood that I was, I, me personally, I was going to die and go to hell. And I, I bowed my head and I said, God, I don't want to die. And I, I, the, the invitation came and I, I went forward and, and my youth pastor came and says, he says, what are you here for? Listen, I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. I went to church, uh, uh, Christian school all week long. He goes, he goes what, are you, what are you up here for? Are you, are you surrendering to be a, a pastor or a missionary? I'm like, no, I need to be saved. He goes, no, you're already saved. I said, no, no, I'm not. And he took me through all the verses that I could quote because I'd had them up here. But there's a difference between faith of the knowledge of what I've learned and what I've been taught to what I know to be true. And I knew to be true that I was dying on my way to hell, and my only hope was Jesus Christ. And I placed my faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did for me, and that day I became his child. Not, six, not 11 years before, nine years before, whatever it was, when I bowed my head and prayed the sinner's prayer. Because it has nothing to do with the prayer that you pray. It has everything to do with whether or not you place your faith in Christ for forgiveness of sins. Not your own works. Listen, I didn't even have much to repent of. I wasn't a terrible kid. I wasn't out doing drugs or, 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 or spray painting the sides of buildings or cars. Or, I wasn't doing any of those things. I, I wasn't rebellious to my parents. Or, I was a good kid who went to Christian school, that went to youth group and learned all my, my memory verses. And, and I, mean, I, I was a good kid, but I was lost and on my way to hell. See, it didn't matter what I did or what I had been or who my parents were had everything to do with this right here. And listen, there may be people to, here today, I, 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 I am 100% sure that this is true, that there is somebody here today that has made some profession of faith, and they believe that God has saved them because they prayed a prayer, but there's been no evidence of salvation in their life. There's never been a time where they changed their, they changed their walk. I'm not trying to, to tell you you're not saved. I can't see your hearts, but I'm telling you, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you this morning, then you need to be saved. Don't listen to me. Listen to God. We're to remember and we're to reflect. And the greatest thing that we can do is we reflect uh, the memorial of, uh, uh, of communion. It shows the death of, of Jesus Christ. We reflect on the meaning of that. And for those of us that are saved, we can be glad for what God has done for us. But if you're here today, uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that that, that, that communion shows uh, his death until he comes. It's, a, it's, it's there as a reminder for us to understand the, the magnitude of what Jesus did for us on that cross that day. You can be saved. Without Christ, we have no hope. We can remember and we can reflect, and as children of God, we can rejoice. Because memorial, as, as, we, as we remember the sacrifice, remember he died, but he didn't stay in that grave. Think about this for a moment. If he had died on that cross that day, like the two men on either side of him, and they, they, they had thrown him in the ditch like they would other, other men, or whether he was buried by, by, by those that buried him. Listen, if he stayed in that grave, if he never took another breath, if he never got up and never walked out, listen, this would all be worthless. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if, if there was no resurrection of the dead, we would be of all men most miserable. 
Why? Because we would have no hope. Because our hope is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If God had the power to raise him from the dead, God has the power to raise us from the dead. Uh, listen, we, we just, uh, we just uh, had a funeral for Arnie uh, a few weeks ago, and we loved Arnie. And man, what a blessing Arnie was to our, our hearts and our lives. And, and, and as he came here, and, but there's one thing that Arnie knew. He knew where he was going to spend eternity. He knew that when he died on this earth, that he was going to be in heaven with Christ for all eternity. What a day, what a promise, what a hope that is. There, is, there was joy in his heart. There was no fear. His last service here, he pulled me back by the back door. He said, Pastor Rob, I want you to know I'm getting old, and I'm not going to be here much longer. He knew a whole lot better than we did. I said, Arnie, don't get ahead of yourself. We, we want you to stick around. Three weeks later, two weeks later, I, I found out he's in the hospital. I called the nursing home, and they couldn't tell me what, they, what he was in there for, but they said that he'll be coming home, he'll, he'd be coming home soon. They didn't know how right they were. A few days later on Thursday, I got a phone call from, from his family saying, we want you to come to the hospital. They don't think it's going to make it very long. I got to go in, and I got to talk to Arnie. And he was unresponsive. He, he wasn't answering any of my questions. He, he couldn't hear, but read to him scripture. Reminded him of the promise of God. As I left, I said, Arnie, I loved you. And I kissed you on the forehead. And he said, I love you. He wasn't scared. He wasn't terrified. He had hope. He knew where he'd be. And today he's rejoicing more than we could ever understand. We as children of God can have that same rejoicing. We have that same hope. Because if we're saved... And the Spirit of God has, has, has born new life into us. And, and we have, by faith, trusted in Jesus Christ. I want you to understand something. You have the promise of the inheritance of eternal life. It's not a, I hope it happens. I don't know how many times I've asked somebody, do you know where you'll go if you die? Well, I hope I go to heaven. You don't have to hope. We have hope that will go to heaven, but our hope is based on the promises of God. And 1 John 5 tells us that, that these things are written that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You can know where you'll be. You can know. Not hope, not think, not wonder. You can know. And if you know, if you have that comfort in your heart, as we reflect on what Jesus did for us, as we, as we remember what he did for us, we can rejoice in what he did for us. What a blessing that is. Now, if you're not saved, if, you, if you've never trusted in Christ, you can remember what he did, and you can reflect on what that means for you. But until you trust in him, you can't rejoice. Because real rejoicing comes in having received the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This isn't the message. <laughs> but I think it's the better message. I believe this is what God would have me to preach. We are to remember what he did. We're to reflect on it. But in doing that, we have a couple of questions. For those of us that are saved, what does that mean for us? Memorial Day comes, comes around once a year. And you're saved every day of the year. Do we live like it? So we shouldn't just spend one day, one day a year remembering what Jesus did. We, we celebrate his birth at Christmas. And we celebrate his resurrection at Easter. We should do that every single day every single time that we come together. 
We don't have to have a national holiday to tell us to, to rejoice and to remember and to reflect. It should be every moment, when you, every morning when you wake up, you should remember what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. And it should set the direction for your day. You know what sets the direction for our day nowadays? The price of gas, the price of food, who, uh, what, what we agree or don't agree with with those that are around us. I, 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 I've never seen so many Christians who are just burdened down. I'm not, don't, don't misunderstand me. I, I, I understand the weight of those things. And I'm not saying that, 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 that our salvation takes away that pain or discomfort. What I'm saying is that we can have joy because of our salvation, despite our circumstances. We can rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. We are to rejoice at all times and in all circumstances. You say, well, you don't understand. It cost me $100 to fill up my gas tank. I do understand. It's expensive. I've got four kids. My grocery bill has only gone up higher. I've got two boys that are almost teenagers. You know how much they eat. It ain't going to get any better for us. But greater than that, I have a God who is my provider. I have a God who has taken care of me. And the most important thing he has done for me is my salvation. And the salvation of my wife. And the salvation of my three oldest kids. And you know what I pray for? The salvation of my last kid. On that day, I will rejoice. I want you to understand, as tough as things are with, with the economy and as tough as things can be with our health and all the things that are going on in our lives, I want you to understand we as Christians uh, should, should be the light for the world. We talked about this last week. They should see the love of Christ. We, they should see the Spirit of God working through us uh, and, 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 and so, that, so that they see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. your life today as children of God? Are you reflecting? Is, is Christ reflecting in your life to those around you? Are you remembering and rejoicing or are you burdened down with all the things that are going on? Now, turn over to, I said turn to Joshua. We, we read it and we left it and didn't really come back. I do want you to see something at the end of the chapter. Remember, Israel has, has crossed, the Red, uh, crossed the Jordan River. They, they, uh, they've, set, they've been commanded to set up this memorial. I want you to see why they've been commanded to set up this memorial. Look at verse 21 of chapter 4. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over as the, uh, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone for, over. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. We need to set up these memorials in our life. We need to, we need to be a memorial of Christ in our life. Uh, Ephesians, two, Ephesians chapter 1 calls, us, calls God's children to, that we are to be the praise of his glory. They're to look at our lives and they're to, it's to bring honor and glory to him. Uh, do, is that what they see? Because there, there are a couple people in this world that, are, that, that rely upon that. Our children rely upon that. My kids are watching you. Your kids are watching you. All of the children of this church and outside of this church are watching you. If they know that you are a child of God and they see that you're, that you're weak in your, in your prayer life, they see that you're weak in your, in, your, in, your, in, your, in your service of God, they see you come and go or they see you leave, they wonder why. I have been asked that question before. Why did this person leave? Why don't they come to church anymore? I don't know, buddy. They're watching you. So for my kids' sake, for our kids' sake, let them see the love of God in you. Because th those things that you allow to slide, your kids will reject altogether. It's not just our kids, though. The world is watching you. That last verse says that the world, it says that all the people of the earth might know everybody's watching you, not just our kids. 
May they see your life. May they see the memorial of your life to Christ. And that be something that directs them to the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to live such a holy life that somebody's going to come to you and say, will you please tell me how to get to heaven? I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm not going to tell you that's what will happen. But as they see you go through life, because life is hard for everybody, and they see your response in that life, what does that do? If you're grumpy and upset and discouraged, well, you're just like them. But if you're rejoicing and you're thankful and you've got hope, they might just wonder where you got that hope. And the Bible says that we're to be ready to give an answer to any man who asks us the reason of the hope that is within us. How's your life? Other question is this, last one, and we'll be done. Everybody says, wow, this is amazing. It's done early. It's because I didn't preach the message I was supposed to. If you're here today, and you take an honest look at yourself, at your life, your spiritual life, not the things that you do, not the places that you go. And the Spirit of God is telling you right now that you're not saved. Would you honestly ask yourself this question? Why not today? What am I waiting for? What am I afraid of? I can guarantee you that anybody that's here that is saved would rejoice if you place your faith in Christ. I don't care if you're just visiting. I don't care if you've been here for years. I don't care if you're related to me. Nobody's going to be upset. Nobody would look down upon you. My fear is that one day I'm going to get to heaven and there'll be some of you missing. Because you are afraid to speak up. There's nothing worth it. It's not worth it. Because one day, you're not going to stand before me. One day, we'll stand before God. And God is true and just and perfect. And yes, he's a God of love and of grace. But he is a just judge. And you've all already admitted that you're lying, stealing, adulterers, blasphemers, and murderers at heart. <coughs> Truth is, that's all of us. But do you really think God's going to let you pass? Not unless you're under the blood. Not unless you place your faith in Christ. In a moment, we're going to bow our heads and pray. And this service will be over. But if God's speaking to you about anything, today is the day to get it right whether you need to turn your heart back to the Lord or whether you need to get saved or whether you just need to come down to this altar and thank God for the sacrifice he made for you and rejoice in what he's done. Now is the time to do it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word, for the way that your spirit works. pray, Lord, that you would have your way with us, that you'd be glorified, that our hearts would be tender, and submissive, and obedient to you, whether it's conviction, whether you're calling us to salvation, God, I pray, I pray that you won't let up, that you'll break down any walls of pride, fear. 
draw us unto you. May you have your way, O God. In Christ's precious name we ask this. Help us, O Lord. Amen. Keep your heads bowed.